0: We have an engrossing series of topics today to talk about on Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer, largely because Baldwin Wallace University released a statewide poll on a bunch of good topics yesterday. We're going to be chewing on them for more than half of this podcast. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm here with Laura Johnston, Lisa Garvin, and Layla Atassi, who've been studying up on these poll results. <laughs> they can tell you margins of error and all sorts of numbers, but that's not really what they're here to talk about. We're here to talk about how out of touch elected leaders seem to be with Ohio voters. So, Bob Wallace did release results of a statewide survey on a number of important topics Monday, and those topics make up a good bit of the podcast. For me, the most surprising finding was how much Ohioans trust their teachers and their schools. I'm married to one. Despite the efforts of the people who trumped up the phony CRT issue last year to sow discord among parents. Let's start there, Laura. What were the questions and what were the results regarding schools?
1: They looked at a wide range of education issues. They looked at teaching gender identity in school, whether parents should have control of what books are in school libraries, whether the history of racism should be taught. And for the most part, Ohioans were more liberal than I would have guessed. And actually, parents of Ohio students believe in a broader scope of education and less oversight than non-parents polled. And that makes you wonder why people with kids You don't, you know, like why people without kids, why they care so much. The thing is, they didn't use the word critical race theory when they asked these questions, which makes you think that that is just like this. Dog whistle, polarizing like flashlight of an issue that people don't really understand. So, the poll found that more than three quarters of Ohioans support teaching about the impact and history of race and racism in the United States. This was true for black, white, liberal, and conservative subgroups. And um, also, the majority of respondents agree that public school teachers do their best to teach students in an unbiased way and that current curriculum exposes students to concepts and ideas at the appropriate grade level. That was more than half for all of those.
0: I was surprised by it because it was overwhelming numbers. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, 60%. This was the, the big majority of Ohioans trusted teachers. They, they want the people taught about these subjects. And you're right. They didn't mention CRT, but let's face it, last year, people from outside districts showed up at school board meetings screaming bloody murder about CRT and how it's being taught in the schools. And journalists kept reporting, it's not being taught in the schools. You're out of your mind. You're trying to create a phony controversy. Well, this poll shows it just did not work. That people still look at their local schools and their teachers with admiration.
1: Absolutely. And it it is overwhelming. And I was really surprised by how supportive people were for their schools. There was, I mean, they're supportive of everything, actually, most things. They, they, we can talk about transgender issues later, but they did support students being led in prayer on school grounds, whether by a fellow student, which was 64%, or a coach at 63%. So I guess they want, you know, the ability to teach all of these things, both what you would consider conservative and liberal. But yeah, the par- the, I was really surprised about the sexual orientation question.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, at large, I was surprised by the parent school thing cause, because for decades now, that's been anathema. You don't do it. I mean, it's a, there's a separation of church and state. But, wow, there was a large majority of people did want that. But otherwise, for teachers, this has got to feel good because they were politicized last year. They were getting their, mm-hmm. their profession run into the ground by, by a bunch of people that had very bad motives. They were trying to trump up the Trump base by politicizing schools. And it's good to see it didn't you, work.
2: If I could jump in, if you, if you remember the results of last year's school board elections, though, these mm-hmm. really do track with those results. Because even though we saw a lot of anti-CRT candidates running for school boards, there really weren't that many districts that turned into anti-CRT districts. The, in the, in, for the most part, uh, you know, the the common sense of voters prevailed, and uh, that's and, a, and that's what that's what we see here in these polls.
0: That's a great point. It it didn't work. What what is if you think back though, to last year, and I mean it was largely a Fox News thing. They they must have said CRT a thousand times. There was a real effort to destabilize our trust in schools, just like there was an effort to destabilize our trust in elections. But when it comes to local schools, it's like parks. People seem to get it, and it didn't work. It's today in Ohio. Abortion has been one of the big topics of 2022, so it is appropriate that Baldwin Wallace asked Ohioans what they think. The results largely affirmed what we thought, right, Lisa?
3: It certainly did. The poll numbers from Baldwin Wallace tracked with earlier polls on abortion in Ohio. In the BWU poll, of fifty nine percent support a constitutional amendment to make abortion a fundamental right in Ohio. Sixty three percent of those were women, and fifty four percent were men. So obviously, you know, more women are for it than men. When you break it down by political party, only thirty five percent from the Republican Party support a constitutional amendment. 84, more than 84% of Democrats support it, and almost 60% of independents support it as well. So that's pretty overwhelming there. But when you look at who opposed the amendment, 26.5% opposed the amendment. 20% of those were women, and about 48% of those were members of the Republican Party.
0: Think about that 60 percent of the independents, though, because I yeah. think that goes a long way to explaining why people like Mike DeWine have scrubbed abortion from his campaign website and why Democrats are spending a bundle of money now to say, hey, vote Democrat because the Republicans want to keep your body decisions out of your hands. I, I It is surprising that the legislature is so out of touch with this. They are racing when they come back to ban abortion in Ohio, and Ohioans don't want that. And it, I, I just cannot wait to see how this affects Election Day.
3: And, you know, and the poll kind of had some, like, scattershot, you know, um, results. So when they asked the question, would you permit an abortion if an a minor was raped and became impregnated, of people said yes, they would allow that abortion to go forward. Only 10% said no. So it depends a little bit on how you frame the question.
0: Yeah, well, but there are candidates like J.D. Vance who've said outright ban, although we'll talk about him in a bit, that he kind of softened that position in a debate last night. I, I think the Republicans are petrified of this issue. I think they know that when women go into the polls, this could be the single issue they vote on, and the majority don't agree with the current standing of abortion rights in this country. Uh, Again, the numbers are not surprising. This has been pretty steady in Ohio. This is the way people have felt, but it was good to, to see the numbers hard and fast in this poll. It's today in Ohio. The Ohio legislature and Governor Mike DeWine have been racing to liberalize gun laws in the state to the point where any adult can carry a gun almost any time. Layla, what do Ohioans think of where things stand on guns?
2: I was only slightly surprised to learn that the majority of Ohioans across the political spectrum favor increased gun control in the state. But I was very surprised that the majority also favored arming teachers because that (laughs) seems like such an extreme idea. So these poll results come on the heels of Mike DeWine signing a variety of bills that roll back gun restrictions. One loosens training requirements for teachers to carry concealed weapons on school grounds. Another says people don't have to attempt to retreat before using force and in, in self-defense. And the the third wipes away concealed carry permits. 60% of Ohio registered voters oppose the state's permitless concealed carry law, while 36% support it. That's staggering. And meanwhile, the poll found that 85% of registered voters in Ohio favor expanding background checks for gun buyers between the ages of 18 and 21, including 66% who strongly support those checks. Just 12% said they they oppose expanded background checks. Also, 79% of registered voters support raising the minimum age to buy an AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle from 18 to 21, 17% oppose that. And three quarters of Ohioans favor the passage of a red flag law that would allow authorities to confiscate guns from people who are deemed to be a threat to themselves or others, including 52% who strongly support doing that. The poll found 18% of Ohio voters oppose a red flag law, including 9% who strongly disagree with it. But that, yeah,
0: so when when we when our team talked to Lauren Copeland, who oversaw this poll at Baldwin Wallace yesterday, she discussed a bit, right, about how this poll shows the legislature is not tracking largely with the voters. Did she offer any in- insight into why she thought that was happening?
2: Well, she kind of just said that she feels that you know the, the people tend to vote against their interests because they have such poor choices. You know, that (laughs) I mean, which is it's really true, right? It's like you just don't have you don't have a lot of choices in the state of Ohio. And so you're presented with these extremist candidates and you have to choose. So that's that's kind of where it falls.
0: I wonder with guns, unlike with abortion, where where it's such a an emotional issue, you know, the, the loss of your your domain and dominion over your body. I wonder if this is one where they disagree, but they don't vote based on it. And so the legislators who were bought and paid for by the NRA and all the gun lobbyists just keep going down their merry way because there's no accountability for it. They don't get well, voted out because of this.
1: And that's what I was just thinking. You know, if these the state legislature doesn't represent the interest of the people who elect them, who are they representing?
0: Well, mm-hmm. they represent the gun lobby, clearly. The gun lobby Right,
1: exactly. It just yeah. seems so like this this poll kind of crystallizes that. Like you're not doing what your constituents want. You're doing what you, the the will of the people who give you a lot of money.
0: We ran a story earlier this year that showed mm-hmm. I think it was earlier this year that showed the twenty year path to to the point where we are now and how it was very deliberate. And what was where the hypocrisy came was when Mike DeWine stood in Dayton and said we need common sense gun laws and then signed every bill that came his way, even though the voters don't want it and and parents of school children are most worried about the AR fifteen. I just it, you would think with the numbers being as powerful as as what Layla just described It would make a difference on Election Day, but but it just doesn't seem to. It's today in Ohio. This next one surprised me. I would not have predicted the results. Where do Ohioans stand on forgiving the mountain of student loans that people are under? Laura, you'll be facing these loans in the not too distant future. (laughs) (laughs) So you probably agree with this sentiment.
1: Right. This isn't completely lopsided. I feel like there's some people on both sides of the issues, but just under two thirds of respondents said they support forgiving at least some of student loan debt for at least some borrowers. But the most popular answer to this question with 29% of all responses was that no student loan should be forgiven at all. And the second most popular answer was 22% was that all student loan debt should be forgiven for all borrowers. So I feel like we have a broad spectrum here.
0: There was an age difference, right? The younger you were, mm-hmm. the more likely you were to say, yes, forgive the loan debt.
1: Yeah. And if you have a four-year degree, you're more likely, almost twice as likely to say that all loans should be forgiven. So it does feel like this is a progressive, I mean, we know it's a progressive issue, right? But I think it's so new that like people haven't completely made it, you know, like, I don't think we've come to a consensus as a state on what we think about this. Or maybe it's just really going to be a divisive thing.
0: I thought the majority would be against it, though. I I just I hear from enough people that just think that that this is wrong. The country doesn't have the money and people made these decisions to enter in the debt. I mean, Ted died and wrote about this. And I heard from a whole lot of people who agreed with him. I, I, so I was surprised by how high the numbers were by some people saying we should forgive some of it. I get it. We broke the deal. We broke the compact with youth in this country. We used to be a country that promised people an affordable education. And as largely Republican governors were, were trying to give people tax cuts years ago, the, the cost of college went up because we stopped mm-hmm. subsidizing it. But I, I did not expect to see those numbers. I I think this issue is going to grow now because there's enough people that are behind it that uh, I don't think you can ignore it.
1: No, I don't think so. And then the same side of questions, I just wanted to bring up the climate change. Uh, issue, which like student loans had a differentiation between age groups, but more than seven in 10 Ohioans said they support stronger rules on limiting power plant carbon emissions. And 68 said they support taxing corporations based on how much carbon they pump into the atmosphere. And then two thirds support stronger fuel efficiency standards for vehicles. So I would I would like to point that back to a previous question about why is that at, at our odds with our legislature? Like, let's ask Matt Huffman about what he thinks of these results.
0: Although I I think when you ask people, do you believe in trees, they're always going to say, yes, I believe in trees. I'm not surprised. That's
1: different than asking taxing corporations. Yeah,
0: but it's, yeah, they're corporations. Don't tax me. Tax the corporation. I don't think those questions are that revealing because, you know, you're basically saying, should other people pay more money for what they're doing? Should we have cleaner air? No, I don't think we should have cleaner (laughs) air. Come on. It's the, whenever you ask, I I don't think they posed it right. I think, I think if they would have said something like, do you believe in a requirement that you, you should be driving an electric car by 10 years from now, you might've gotten some interesting answers because there's still a lot of trepidation. Every time we talk about them, I'm going to get emails now. Every time we talk about (laughs) electric vehicles, there's a great deal of discussion taking place. It's today in Ohio. Ohioans have pretty strong feelings about issues involving transgender people, and what seems clear is that this issue has raced ahead of public opinion. What did Baldwin-Wallace find, Lisa?
3: The poll took a look at three major issues in the transgender community. Uh, One of them was gender-affirming medical care for minors. Very conservative answers, really, across the board on all of these issues. Um, um, Almost two-thirds... Strongly opposed or somewhat opposed gender affirming medical care. Only one quarter of people surveyed uh, somewhat or strongly support it. If you break it down by political party, conservatives were 71% against it, but liberals only 18% support there, and moderates opposed it by 44%. And then taking a look at transgender bathrooms or allowing transgender people to use the bathroom that Correlates with their gender identity. Another conservative outlook uh, over half said they are strongly or somewhat opposed to letting them use the bathrooms they identify with, and only 35% somewhat or strongly support that. But if you look at it by gender, men objected two times as much as women. Moving on to transgender athletes and allowing them to compete uh, with the uh, sex that they identify with, there was a 39%. Point spread there. Uh, Sixty-five percent say they are strongly or somewhat opposed to letting them compete, Um, and then only a quarter of them said they were would support that. And uh, Lauren Copeland says that transgender issues actually drew much more conservative answers than questions on marijuana and same-sex marriage.
0: Yeah, I, I we've talked on this podcast about the compassionate side of this and and how challenging it is for people who are transgender. But I wonder if this is, you know, Lisa, when we were young, um, if you'd have done a survey on gay marriage, you would have gotten numbers like this. I mean, it was just not something that anybody was talking Mm -hmm. about in the 60s and the 70s as as legitimate. In fact, it wasn't all that long ago that Ohio voted for a constitutional amendment to ban it, whereas public opinion has come a long way since then. Mm -hmm. And people are much more compassionate about it. Is that what this is? Are we just so early in this discussion that people have not come to terms with it or do you just think that this is this is the way it's going to be. People just are not going to ever accept this?
3: I don't know. I think people will come around, but I'm a very liberal person. I had a lot of gay friends. I have a friend who has a transgender daughter. I think that people just don't know transgender people. you know so it's easy to demonize something that you don't know.
0: Okay, you're listening to today in Ohio. The poll found a seemingly inexplicable conflict in how people feel about Mike DeWine and how they feel about how he has performed as governor. It also showed some favorability ratings for other politicians. But let's start with this odd conflict involving the governor.
2: When it comes to Mike DeWine, it's it's been a love hate relationship. But at the moment, voters are liking Mike DeWine. Fifty seven percent of those who responded to the poll Gave him a favorable rating, despite the fact that those same folks rated him kind of poorly on his job performance. Only forty-three percent of the respondents said he was good or excellent at his job, while fifty-four percent said he had done a fair or poor job as governor. So Lauren Copeland, who designed the poll questions for BW, said she can't quite explain why Dewine remains so popular despite the voters' poor perception of the work he's done, and and also given the way folks responded to questions about certain policy issues so for example it's it's pretty clear that the majority of Ohioans support abortion rights. Mike DeWine is anti-abortion, so why would Ohioans like a candidate who stands against their interests? Copeland said she can only chalk that up to his sheer likability. When we were interviewing her on a phone call yesterday, she told the story of her own interaction with DeWine and his wife, Fran, at some event or state fair or something like that, where Fran was handing out pins that she had made out of buckeyes, and she had drilled holes in them using the drill that, that Mike had given her for credit. Christmas and the whole thing was so charming. And you know, she said that, you know, even she was charmed by it. And she she also noted that voters have have really short memories. Dewine's transgressions of the past, like his handling of the pandemic and the shutdown that really irritated a lot of people, seem like distant memories for a lot of Republicans. So that's how how she was able to get past that uh, you know, the blip in the data. <laughs>
0: Although I would argue it's also ineffective campaigning by his opponent, Nan Whaley. I, what, what you would expect in this kind of a campaign is his opponent to be reminding people of how upset they were with the unemployment office and the shutdowns and all of the things that went wrong. And she hasn't. So your memories are short. If there's nobody to remind you of all the things that he screwed up, nobody's going to know as they go to the polls. It just was odd to have. I like him but I think he's done a bad job. How did other people rate on the favorability scale, Rob Portman and Sherrod Brown and people like that?
2: Yeah, voters found th- three politicians likable. Senator Sherrod Brown, 42% found him favorable. Uh, Re- Representative Tim Ryan, a Democratic candidate for Senate, 41% found him favorable. Rob Portman, 37% found him favorable, 36 36- Found him unfavorable, so tight margin there. Um, and three politicians were viewed unfavorably by most respondents. Donald Trump, forty-seven percent found him favorable, but fifty-one percent found him unfavorable. Finally, the scales have tipped, <laughs> and uh, JD Vance, forty-seven percent found him unfavorable versus thirty-five percent who found him favorable. And Joe Biden, thirty-nine percent found him favorable to uh, compared to sixty percent who found him unfavorable. Mm. But, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, frankly, a little surprised by these results. I mean, what does this mean for the election? I'd, I'd pretty much assumed J.D. Vance was probably going to mop the floor with Tim Ryan in this red state. But this is really going to be a contest. And the fact that 51 percent of respondents, a slight majority, but a majority finally agree on some level that Donald Trump is a garbage human.
0: <laughs> I mean, that gives me life. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it was was good. I mean, we, we don't report horse race polls as much because they're not they're not really reliable. But some of these others give you a good idea. I want to thank Baldwin Wallace and Lauren for giving us an advanced look so we could get a lot of content together for this. We do have we are working in partnership with Baldwin Wallace on a Northeast Ohio poll that we should be rolling out topics one a week in the very near future. Some of these same issues, but a bunch of others that are interesting. I'll tantalize you with that. It's Today in Ohio. Health reporter Gretchen Crowen has written another riveting story, this time about a guy who ate poisonous mushrooms for his backyard and could have died. We've had stories like this before, usually ending in someone getting a liver transplant. But there's a miracle drug available now. Lisa, let's talk about some mushrooms.
3: (laughs) I love that. You always think of magic mushrooms. But this guy, uh, Bill Hickman, a 54-year-old Wyndham resident, which is in Portage County, he's a naturalist. And he has actually grown his own mushrooms and he goes out and picks mushrooms Well, he was going out to pick some mushrooms and used a plant ID app that showed that the mushrooms he picked were safe. So he ate them. He put them over some uh, tortellini and got sick eight hours later with stomach pain, diarrhea, and constant vomiting. And this is the thing with these mushrooms. There's the destroying angel and the death cat mushroom. It's, the symptom onset is eight to 12 hours. So he really got sick right on schedule. And usually 40% of people die or need a liver transplant after ingesting these mushrooms. But Hickman, he got to the university hospital's main campus within 48 hours because time is crucial. Um, uh, The UH has a regional referral center for these kinds of poisonings. So there's a drug called silabinin. It's derived from the milk thistle plant, but it has to be given within 72 hours of ingesting poisonous mushrooms or the recovery. Chances drop dramatically, and what happens with this is, you know, with this this uh, poison, is that it just goes, it's like a loop. It just constantly reabsorbs from the intestine into the into the bloodstream. It's like a just a constant loop, and it's really hard to fight. But psilabinin has been used in Europe for 30 years, but it's not FDA approved in the US. So they have to go through this rigmarole. UH had to submit an emergency use application to the FDA. Then that drug, psilabinin, is flown directly from the FDA lab in Philadelphia to UH. And they've actually done this 47 times at UH in the last 10 years because they're a regional referral center. And the problem with and and why it's not FDA approved, there's little data because these poisonings are quite rare. And there's also really no financial incentive because there's no, you know, it's a rare occurrence.
0: Yeah, I, I love this story because I, we've written about this before. As I've said, there was a restaurant owner in Cleveland Heights some years back that did the same thing, got the mushrooms out of Rockefeller Park and ended up, I'm pretty sure, getting a liver transplant. But I didn't understand the mechanism. And Gretchen so clearly lays it out, that recycling mm-hmm. of the poison, as you said. So it just constantly keeps attacking the liver. It was really good. The moral of this story is don't use an iPhone app to decide whether the mushroom is poisonous because it's going to give you wrong readings. That was the shocking thing. Yeah, It was interesting to me that his wife looked at that and said, yeah, I'm not eating any of that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And she was smart enough to go back to where the mushrooms were that he picked, took a picture of them. So they immediately knew what it was. But Hickman himself says, yeah, I'm not trusting any plant ID app when it comes to mushrooms.
0: I mean, plan idea apps are great just to try and understand what the plan is, but it's different from what you eat. Good stuff. Check out Gretchen's story. It's on cleveland.com. It's worth your time. It's today in Ohio. All right, Layla, what's the latest $2.8 million in Cuyahoga County slush funds paying for
2: well, these funding proposals are coming out of the slush funds of Councilman Jack Schron, with the exception of one fifty thousand dollars grant that Councilwoman Sunny Simon carved out of her District 11 slush fund for the Fresh Fest Cleveland Urban Farm Food Arts and Music Festival, because, you know... Farmer's Market Music Festival is one of those transformational uses of this once-in-a-lifetime infusion of cash from the federal government. So I just wanted to highlight that at the top. But Shran's proposed projects include a quarter million dollars to the Cuyahoga County Public Library for a manufacturing training program, another quarter million to the West Creek Conservancy to help reclaim the former Haydite mine. The list also has road improvements, culverts, sidewalks, walking trails, public restrooms, helping to build an aquatic center, adding solar panels to a wastewater treatment plant. Uh, I mean, it should be noted that Jack Schron is at least one of the few council members who attempted to create a fair process of allocating the money so it didn't just appear to be blatant political patronage. I mean, he told Lucas Deprilly that he set up a committee that included local officials to review funding requests and provide suggestions. So it's not just him making handshake deals with mayors and unilaterally deciding which application is politically advantageous enough to be worth his time. Uh, at least that's what it you know how it comes across. So so at least I'll give Jack Sharon that.
0: <laughs> he did tell us that he tried to get all of his colleagues to follow that same system. He sent a note. Saying, you know, I tried, but they didn't want to do it, so I did it. Yeah, uh, Dale
2: Miller but, also. I'll put, you know, I'll give give him credit for that as well. He also worked hard to try to get his colleagues to follow those uh, guidelines that they. I have a
0: question. Yeah will Will Sunny Simon's Farm Fest be putting produce <laughs> in plastic bags?
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I highly, highly doubt that. I feel like a farm festival. You better bring your own tote, Chris. Mm.
0: (laughs) Sonny Simon, of course, is the one that proposed getting rid of plastic bags. You're
2: right. We should go and check it out.
0: Yes, we should get some pictures. (laughs) Yeah. We try to avoid gotcha journalism, but it was worth asking. But that would
2: be worth it.
0: It's today in Ohio. Good stuff today. Thank you again to Baldwin Wallace. A very rich poll loaded with good information. Thanks, Lauren, for offering your perspective on some of the surprising results. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Layla. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll be back tomorrow talking about the news.